0: It's Tuesday, October the 31st, 2023. Happy Halloween and welcome to Now with Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and goblin. Hit the horns and goblin. Coming up on the show today, All the Light We Cannot See is coming to Netflix on November the 2nd. Joe Strecci is an accessibility consultant for the show. He'll tell you more about it. The fourth annual report on medical assistance in dying is out. Reporter Megan Gilmore will break down the findings. And the weekly news quiz rounds out the show. Contestants Brock Richardson, Alicia Yardley, and Elizabeth Moeller will compete for this week's title. It is indeed Halloween. Don't worry, this episode will not be particularly scary. I am not in costume today, but I will mention to you that I'm wearing an orange T-shirt to be festive underneath my dark colored blazer. So I'm almost going with like a black and orange thing, but my blazer is probably a little closer to charcoal gray. But in the spirit nonetheless here, not really a costume guy don't make a lot of plus size friendly costumes. So I'm happy to be on the outside looking in and happy to talk to you on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Let's get to the top story of the day. Stats Canada just, just, just dropped some gross domestic product numbers. Uh, The GDP data shows that the economy shrank in the third quarter at an annualized pace of 0.1%. So either a flat economy or little bit of economic shrinkage in the third quarter. That that data coming out from Stats Canada about eight minutes ago. So no time to crunch those numbers for you. I'll try to give you a little bit of perspective on that tomorrow. But lots of stories from the economy and energy policy for you, starting with Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem addressed a House of Commons committee yesterday. Lisa Laporte recaps the meeting.
1: Appearing before the House of Commons Finance Committee, Macklem said federal and provincial budgets show government spending aggregate will grow faster than supply in the economy over the next year, adding upward pressure to inflation. While the initial run-up in prices last year was largely attributed to global events like supply chain disruptions and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the central bank has pointed to domestic inflationary pressures as well. Since March of last year, the Bank of Canada has rapidly hiked rates to clamp down on spending and bring down inflation. Lisa Laporte, the Canadian Press.
0: Here's a story from south of the border, but certainly has some resonance north of the border as well. Gas prices continue to decline in the United States. Alex Stone pumps out this report.
2: In Houston drivers are now paying on average 2.89 a gallon for regular unleaded according to new data out from the energy department compare that to San Francisco where the average price is 5.13 a gallon to fill up a 15 gallon tank that's an almost $34 difference with every fill up Prices are falling just about everywhere as demand for gas is down right now. Not a lot of people travel in October and winter blends of gas cost less. The average price nationwide is now at three forty-seven a gallon. Alex Stone, EBC News.
0: Okay, speaking of energy and coming back to Canada, plenty of politicians are sounding off about the federal government's plan to pause some carbon pricing in Atlantic Canada. Rural Canadians who use home heating oil will also be getting a break Conservative leader Pierre Pauliev is calling on the Liberals to exempt all forms of home heating. Najoud al has that angle.
3: The federal government announced last week it is increasing the carbon price rebate for rural Canadians and lifting the carbon price off home heating oil entirely for the next three years. The changes come as affordability concerns leave their party flailing in the polls in Atlantic Canada. Polyev wrote a letter to Trudeau on Sunday urging the Liberals to expand exemption to all forms of home heating, including natural gas, which is more common in
4: Western Canada. Nijud al the Canadian Press, Ottawa.
0: Oh, but it's not just Conservative leader Pierre Polyev who are getting a little cranky about that federal policy. BC Premier David Eby thinks it's unfair. Only certain regions are benefiting.
2: And so if the federal government is going to do this work, they need to do it in an equitable way across Canada. Uh, Here in British Columbia, we believe very firmly uh, that part of our uh, climate solution uh, includes recognizing that carbon has a price, but that doesn't mean that we don't recognize the affordability impacts, and that's why we work
0: to support British Columbians. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe says the province will stop collecting the carbon tax if Ottawa does not offer a break for natural gas as well. The federal government may say that's illegal and that you simply cannot choose to collect and pay your taxes. In most cases, I would agree with that. But it's the federal government that has created two classes of taxpayer by providing an exemption for heating one. Manitoba Premier Wab Canoe is not worrying about the carbon tax. Premier Canu wants regulators, providers and citizens to try a new approach on energy.
5: We think that the next opportunity to bring more capacity onto the grid is by energy efficiency uh, programs geared towards home and uh, other customers. And so that's going to be the first place that we look.
0: Canoo thinks there's one very promising technology.
5: Heat pump technology is advancing by leaps and bounds, particularly on the efficiency side, which is good news for you, the consumer, because the more we can do on efficiency, the more you could potentially be saving on your hydro bill every month,
0: the Manitoba New Democrats campaigned on promises to freeze hydro rates for one year and offer incentives for people to buy electric vehicles. That's your look at the news. Here come the daily polls at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. On Monday, you were asked, how effective do you think awareness days and months are? 4% of you said very, 48% of you said somewhat, and 48% of you said not at all. A couple very thoughtful responses here in the comment section. Leona writes in on Facebook, I used to think they were somewhat helpful, but now I don't believe they do much at all. We're exposed to too much all the time. I remember stopping and remaining still on Remembrance Day at 11 while Taps Played or Flanders Field was read. It was a public and respectful recognition of the sacrifice made. It's rare today. I guess I'd really like to see us think about veterans, People experiencing homelessness, disabled people. I don't know. Maybe that all living entities are important if we expect to survive. No one remembrance. Observance will do that. Pearly Pigtails says, somewhat, I appreciate rem- Remembrance Day. That's pretty universal across the board, in parentheses, I feel. Plus, I think disabilities nee- disability issues need more awareness. You don't realize the difficulties until you are faced with them, whether temporarily or for longer. For example, a tiny one perhaps, I recently was faced with the issue of getting my injured family member up a few stairs and into the house after discharge from the hospital. I can't afford ambulance services. I got zero assistance through local resources. So a couple of very thoughtful responses there. At Accessible Media Inc. On Facebook, at Accessible Media. On Twitter, today's daily poll, a little bit of lighter fare. It is indeed Halloween, so sprinkled throughout the show today will be the fun that goes along with Halloween. And here's the question for you to munch on to begin the show. Have you already started eating your Halloween candy? Yes or no? Laura Bain, I have the dietary habits of a child and I have definitely already gotten into the Halloween candy in my apartments. <laughs>
6: Yeah, so uh, you said the word apartment there, Dave, and I'd be curious if you actually had any trick-or-treaters coming to the door. Uh,
0: So- let me me, me answer that right off the top. Uh, My building, what they're doing, instead of having the kids go door-to-door down the hallway and, you know, maybe getting a lot of no answers at at all, what they're doing is they're uh, doing a general trick-or-treating in the lobby for the kids. So they were asking any resident of the building who wanted to, to donate some candy to the mix. And I was very happy to do so, but there was a little bit of- uh, I guess you could call it the carbon tax on candy that I took off the top before it got given to the front desk.
6: I see. So you did have like a legitimate reason to be buying the the box of candy from Correct. the store. Correct. Correct. Um, in my building, they don't do any sort of trick or treating. There's not a lot of kids in the building, and uh, pretty much every year in the past, I have bought one of those boxes of mini chocolate bars, and I always think I'm going to ration them. I never do. I eat the whole thing. pretty much at once (laughs) so this year I was really good and I haven't bought one Partly due to my partner saying, well, I tried to put one in the cart and he said, uh, oh, we'll just get it after Halloween when the price goes down. So no, I have not gotten into any Halloween candy yet.
0: Ooh, that was my other observation going to the grocery store yesterday. The sales have already started, which strikes me as a real fail in capitalism. In theory, you're supposed to use urgency and scarcity before Halloween happens to jack up the price. Like on the 30th and 31st, the price should be going up, not down. But my store apparently uh, doesn't understand how capitalism works and decided to lower the price already, big win for me. I was very happy with that outcome. Elizabeth Moeller, have you dipped your toe into the sugary candy waters?
1: I have not dipped a toe or a hand into the sugary waters because I'm very strange. I don't like sweets. Now, where I get a little bit of the munchies is the savory, the chips, the cheesies, that mix. You know that party mix that has, like, Doritos, pretzels? I think there might be, like, some Cheetos in there too. Yeah,
0: yeah, the meli melon. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So those like little bags of salty stuff, that's what I love. But I don't buy it because our building actually doesn't do anything for Halloween. We don't even have something in the lobby. And they actually sent an email asking people not to take their kids trick-or-treating, which I thought was sort of strange in the building. But, you know, their prerogative. So I'm going to be going over to a friend's tonight to watch the classic Misery and give out candy. Um, But I will be hoarding the chips for myself. And maybe those (laughs) cheese puffs, you know, the cheese puffs, I'll, I'll be hoarding. Oh,
0: certainly, certainly very familiar with the uh, cheese puffs as well. Well, let's hear from you out there in listener land and the viewer vortex at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. You can also chime in via email. Feedback at AMI.ca, feedback at AMI.ca, or pick up the phone and give the show a trick-or-treat, ring-ding-ding, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545, and don't just answer the question, yay or nay, yes or no. Feel free to shout out your favorite candy. I know that the tax that I took on the box of chocolate that I donated to the kids in my building was the coffee crisps. The coffee crisps somehow fell out of the box onto my kitchen counter and then directly into my belly. At Accessible Media on Twitter. At Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Feedback at ami.ca or 1-866-509-4545 up after the break. All the light we cannot see is coming to Netflix in Canada on November the 2nd. Joe Streche is an accessibility consultant for the show. He'll tell you more about it. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. All the light we cannot see is coming to Netflix Canada on November the 2nd. The limited series is based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. It follows the story of a blind French girl and her father who flee German-occupied Paris. They have a significant diamond they are trying to keep from getting into the hands of the Nazis. Joe Streche is an associate producer and a blindness and accessibility consultant for the show, and is here to tell you more about it. Hey, Joe, good morning.
2: Thank you for making the time. Happy Halloween oh happy halloween to you dave and uh to all of canada uh, say hello to all my friends and family there
0: all right on there you go coast to coast to coast so let's start let's start by talking about the main star aria mia liberti in real life she is blind and has never acted before what was that experience like for you working with somebody who was so new
2: I, it was it was very cool um i've, I've worked with a number of actors with uh all kinds of experience, including no experience, but never in a lead role. And uh really uh what Sean Levy could see and uh knew that she would bring to the role uh really was an excellent opportunity. And we saw her grow throughout the process. Uh by the end, you know, we spent like I guess five and a half months or so working all together. And uh you saw the growth in her as an actor, as a professional and uh, it's really the work she's meant to do.
0: What are some of the key areas of focus that you're trying to bring into your role in accessibility consulting on set?
2: Yeah, in the accessibility side, I'm really looking how, uh, whether it's Aria Mia Liberty or Nell Sutton, who's the younger version of uh, Marie Lore, uh, who's also legally blind, and she's a young girl from... Uh, from Wales in the UK she she was 7 when we cast her and and, and now she's 9 which is crazy but um, yeah it's making sure that they can show up to their job and do their job like versus having to worry about uh, advocating for accommodations to make sure things are accessible for them. So it's first mark, last mark. So where they start and where they end, uh, making sure they can access that, whether it's some kind of factual uh, uh, or if it's just walking the set a little extra. And uh, would, folks like Aria truthfully make my job easier and easy because uh, she's such a brilliant person and a, and a quick study um so it's that accessibility of uh documents or their scripts uh it's also making sure they understand uh you know where the camera is uh, what kind of shot it is and and for both of them who haven't been on a film set prior uh, kind of learning the language of uh film and television and how it works and how we do things mm. and sean and sean was an amazing mentor to aria in general too yeah so that's some of the technical
0: side what about some of the depiction side how much collaboration is going on in in regard to making sure the depiction on screen and in the end product becomes
2: more authentic or as authentic as possible so i had a amazing experience i have been working on that project since uh i guess it right before covid so uh uh, February of uh, 2020 they reached out and I started talking to them and as the scripts are being developed out by uh, uh, the scripts were written by Stephen Knight adapted from uh, Anthony Doerr's amazing novel um, and I've worked with Stephen Knight before on uh, uh, the creation of C uh, that was on Apple TV plus mm. but getting to work with the uh, uh, the Sean, as, and it, having my input, but we also got the input of uh, different consumer groups as well as respectability and uh, the American Council of the Blind and National Federation of the uh, Blind. And um, so it's not just my feedback, but I'm there every day uh, and I, I live every day in those scripts and making sure that what we're doing is uh, putting blindness in the best light possible within the story um, as well as the input of Aria, uh, who's this brilliant young woman. I'm not a, a woman, and uh, a young girl's experience of blindness might be different than a young male's experience of blindness. But I'm also making sure the historical parts, like the white cane uh, first started getting distributed by the Lions, uh, Lions Club in uh, 1931. Uh, you know, That was uh, when the white cane started being adopted. Uh, prior to that, there were all kinds of different canes and such, and, um, and kind of what, what the cane is made of, how it looks, how it's being used, um, all kinds of different aspects, the tools that are used in the show, uh, whether it's uh, the type of brailler or whether it's uh, stuff that's the set decoration in the background.
0: Yeah, there's some really interesting history there, right? When you're setting when you're setting the story, not necessarily in a contemporary time, or maybe the work you did on Sea, for example, where it's set in a post-apocalyptic world, there's actually quite a bit of authenticity that needs to be done from the history book beyond just lived
2: experience. You're right. And uh, so, I, you know, I can't take credit for all that. Uh, there'd be a production designer who was amazing. Uh, we had all these... Top of the line uh, department heads and producers that all work together to make this uh, show possible, and and it wouldn't have been what it is if we all didn't put our hearts and souls into it. We were all passionate about it, you know. Uh, I, I I I think it it means so much to us and the community. Yeah.
0: Oh. All the Light We Cannot See made its debut at the Toronto International Film Festival in September and got a got a pretty solid response. So the ball is only just kind of getting rolling here. But, but how are you feeling about some of the early response to the work that
2: you and your colleagues put in here? We've done a number of screenings and uh, the response has been amazing. And uh, starting it off in uh, Toronto, Canada, Sean Levy's uh, originally from Canada. Uh, You know, I, I've spent like, I spent like five years working in Canada, so many friends and family and, and the response was great. And, uh, and it's only getting better. And I, I just can't wait for everyone to get to see it on November 2nd on Netflix. Uh, It's four episodes uh, and uh, you're, Download, watch, uh, binge, all the (laughs) episodes. Yeah.
0: There's, there's two sort of sides to the casting question that I want to ask you about, and one goes back to what you mentioned here, a bunch of actors who authentically represent the community. What does authentic casting mean for the relevance of content and great shows and movies? What does authentic casting bring to the table that maybe uh, what would have been the more conventional Hollywood model had maybe left aside for a couple of decades there?
2: And what I'll say is that uh, we looked at all options, and Sean Levy knew this was the right option for our show. Um, and you know, going out and uh, casting a lead actor, uh, you know, from the community, but also finding someone who who didn't have that experience working in television and film, who really embodies the role. And Aria is that role; like uh, she brings so much to it. Uh, so the casting was worldwide. Uh, I watched thousands of uh auditions from around the world working with different casting teams on different continents uh just even on the process like the what the electronic formats we were using um how we were if there were any in person uh casting sessions how we did that how we navigated how we talk about it how we talked to people and then uh you know uh, down the line when it, it, as we're moving forward it's uh, it's making sure we have the right people uh, and, and when they show up to work, they can do their job. And, uh, you know, every actor uh, has different methods of working, whether uh, you have a disability or not, and they have expectations coming into the workplace. And when folks don't have those expectations yet, we have to help them figure them out because, mm. you know, we we spent so much time on set.
0: Yeah, it really strikes me that when you're doing that kind of authentic casting and then the work that you're doing with folks, it's building a new generation, right? It's getting more and more people mm-hmm. involved, which is fantastic. And then there's the flip side. This is also a positive side, which is building allyship, right? When you're working with someone like Jason Momoa on a show like Sea, who is number one at Dreamboat, and number two, one of the best actors in the world, you're really <laughs> building you're really building allyship in the industry, too, because then he's going to go and work with Danny Villeneuve or he's going to go work with other fantastic directors and say hey you know like this is how great productions are dealing with accessibility and this kind of blindness consulting and representation so it's not just that you're building the beautiful garden for people with
2: disabilities you're building a beautiful garden for other people too you're so right and i i always tell people the the most important work that comes of these projects is these directors, producers, uh, different departments end up moving on uh, to other projects that don't specifically involve disability, but they often start thinking how they can include persons with disabilities. Uh, You know, our showrunners from season one of C, Dan Schatz and uh, John Steinberg uh, went on to uh, create, well, create a show called The Old Man and uh, based off a book originally, but uh, uh, quite different and then uh also uh, they have Percy Jackson and within the old man one of the actors john lithgow's uh wife in the show is uh Jessica Harper who was on C, who's a who's an actor who's uh legally blind low vision uh but also other uh, persons with disabilities end up getting opportunities and i you know francis lawrence all these people move on to other projects and they they realize that there's this talent in people, persons with disabilities that we haven't been uh, tapping into and probably haven't been given the the right opportunity. And I know all the people I work with uh, see that the talent and uh, see the opportunity. And, and Aria Liberty is probably one of the best actors I've worked with in uh, my career. Uh, she's right up there with some of the top actors, what she brings to this role. Uh, it's it's, she's She's a genius, really. Like, uh, it's awesome.
0: That is high, high praise. And the show comes out in just a couple of days here on November the 2nd on Netflix in Canada. Joe, thank you for taking the time this morning. Thank you for all the work you're doing, and keep up all the excellent work out there in the industry awesome trick-or-treat <laughs> <laughs> trick-or-treat indeed that's Joe Stretch associate producer for the show all the light we cannot see again that comes out on November the second on Netflix coming up next the fourth annual report on medical assistance in dying is out reporter Megan Gilmore will break down the findings this is now with Dave Brown on AMI TV <laughs> It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Health Canada released its fourth annual report on medical assistance in dying last week. The report gives more information about maid deaths in Canada in 2022. Megan Gilmore has reported on this for Canadian Affairs and has some findings to share, as well as some other recent news about maid in Canada. Hey, good morning, Megan.
7: Good morning, Dave.
0: Megan, this is a topic that you've been all over for a couple of years. What are some of the highlights from this report?
7: Sure. So uh, last year in 2022, there were 13,241 made deaths in Canada and to give you a smaller number uh that's about 4% of all deaths in Canada were deaths by maid according to the Health Canada report the average age of individuals uh was 77 um and then um then just go back to the overall numbers so the 13,000 plus deaths that we saw in 2022 that's an increase of 31% from 2021 And then the the number that I know a lot of people in our audience want to know is about track two, which is made when an individual's death is not naturally reasonably foreseeable. And under track two, there were 463 people who died by MAID um, in 2022, and that is more than double the amount of track two in 2021
0: go a little bit deeper into that second category, track two, what does the report have to say about those individuals or about that data?
7: Sure. So one of the ways to help think about this portion of the report is to compare the general characteristics that we know about individuals under track two, to compare that to what we know about individuals under track one. So we're going to try to do that a little bit, uh, because there are some Uh, interesting differences. So the first one is that under track two, more women than men died. So it's 59% of these individuals were women, 41% were men. Under track one, it's slightly more men who had made than women. Um, So there is a reversal under the gender uh, breakdown of that. And then also, and I don't think this should surprise anybody, but typically individuals who are captured by the Track 2 data were younger than those who are under Track 1. So 41.5% of people uh, who are under Track 2 were younger than 70 years old, and in Track 1, only 28.9% of people were younger than 70. So in general, you're going to find more women, you're going to find younger people, and then the medical profile is different. So in track one, the main condition, the main underlying medical condition that an individual who uh, requested or um, access made had was cancer. That makes it the, the leading medical condition in the whole report. But for track two, the leading cause is neurological conditions. So you're thinking multiple sclerosis, ALS, Parkinson's, that type of thing. And then the second most common medical condition was other conditions or comorbidities. Uh, and then they break that category down a little bit more. But the key point is you're getting younger people, you're getting more women, and you're getting non-cancer, like medical conditions that are not cancer, as you're leading medical conditions listed.
0: Megan, I'm, I'm not meaning to put you on the spot with this, but what was sort of the percentage on neurological versus other? oh okay the, 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 i the, can pull it up yeah it's,
7: it's gonna it, take a minute it's all no, no, don't, don't worry about it don't yeah. worry about yeah. it i so was, there's I was like curious five if, it, if main... it was just
0: i was curious just if it was a jarring difference
7: yeah so there's five main i think like i think five main medical conditions that they'll give you in a graph they break it down into a pie graph and track one the number one condition is cancer and track two cancer is the second from the bottom Okay. Um, in terms of percentage of people who were listed as having that medical condition, so it is almost a complete reversal of the percentage by medical condition.
0: W- what did the report have to say about disability explicitly?
7: Sure. So there's a graph that lists, um, like, when we talk about other medical conditions or people who had comor- comorbidities, which means they had more than one that was listed. Um, there's a big chart that just gives the breaks that down by everyone, so track one and track two together. And under the um, other conditions, there are some very specific disabilities mentioned, and that would include vision loss, hearing loss, uh, osteoporosis, uh, frequent Falls or fractures, diabetes gets mentioned there, chronic pain, autoimmune diseases, uh, so that's uh, the section of other conditions or comorbidities is where you're going to get your most specific types of disability that was listed as a medical condition. Medical condition when somebody was requesting made.
0: What else from the report stood out to you?
7: Yeah, sure. Um, as people who follow this program know, I've been pretty critical of past Health Canada reports on MAID and some of their language because I felt like adjectives did not match up with the nouns. it was very frustrating. Um, I would have to say they, this report didn't have as much of that. Um, I've, Like, I'm going to give credit to our credit student here. Health Canada improved in the report writing. Uh, This report is also substantially longer than the previous years, and it gives more data, like the data I just gave you about different types of disabilities. Uh, So that's one of the first things that stood out to me, was that that list of different disabilities was listed. Um, A lot of those disabilities have come up in my reporting, Over the past three years when i reported on this definitely heard stories of people requesting made for vision loss that's reflected in this data um also listed is frailty uh so somebody is uh they're classified as medically frail that's a whole other discussion that medical ethicists um, would love to discuss um and then also there's this section that often doesn't get reported on including in my reporting we did not report on it in canadian affairs um there's some really interesting details about people who requested MAID but died by another means than MAID. So in 2022, there are actually 16,114 written requests for MAID. And of those people, so of all those people who requested it, um, there were 298 people who withdrew their request altogether. So they requested it, and then they said, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. And of those 298 people, 41.8% said one of the reasons they were uh, withdrawing their request is because they had received adequate palliative care. Uh, so I think that's it's just a very interesting finding that deserves more like investigation when we talk about palliative care systems in
0: Canada. Well, that's been sort of the underlying part of this conversation, especially within the disability context, is sort of mm-hmm. support and resources, right? How many people right. are are choosing medical assistance and dying because of a lack of resources or support? So that mm-hmm. speaks to people who made the application, received what they were looking for, and then withdrew the application.
7: Right. Yeah. And and this report, even like go even more into the weeds, everyone. It talks about palliative care, like we just mentioned, and then it also talks about disability supports and uh, a good majority of people under track two who uh, requested or died by MAID did receive some form of disability supports. Right now, the data that Health Canada collects doesn't really give you a ton and ton and ton of information about specifically what kind of disability support, um, because as they noted in this report, disability support ranges from like assistive technology on your computer to like live-in care attendants. Like it's a very broad. Uh, mm-hmm. category mm-hmm. um but yeah so i do think if you dig down through the numbers there's some really interesting stories about access to proper care and access to proper supports and how that impacts people making life and death
0: decisions of course there's still a lot going on legislatively in the halls of yes. parliament in regard to MAID. what is the current landscape in regards to a made expansion or what politicians are talking about
7: Sure. So uh, we are still currently, um, unless something has changed in the last few hours, uh, the federal government is still planning to allow made for individuals whose sole underlying medical condition is a mental illness that is scheduled to happen on March seventeenth. And uh, listeners of this program, viewers, like we've been following this for three years. Um, that was originally supposed to happen last year. They asked the government asked for an extension on the timeline it had already given itself. So. Uh, that is still set to happen March seventeenth, two 2024. However, of note, a couple of weeks ago, there was a conservative private members bill in the House of Commons that would remove mental illness as an eligibility uh, criteria. It would say specifically mental illness is not considered to be an irremediable and grievous medical condition for the purposes of the, the criminal code provisions are made. So it would say you can't get made for the sole condition of mental illness. Conservative private members bill It was defeated at second reading, but only by a difference of 17 votes, and there were 16 abstentions. So it was very, very narrowly defeated, and conservatives, NDPs, Greens, and some liberals supported the bill that would um, stop expansion for mental illness.
0: Megan, let's uh, sort of zoom out here a smidge, yeah. because you've been talking about this on, this on this show for about three years. You yes. have wrote about it recently for Canadian Affairs. You also wrote about this for uh, MAID and people with disabilities and their concerns about MAID for the Walrus. And mm-hmm. uh, you got some recognition for that. Not not that journalists do this for recognition, but it's super cool when you do get recognized. What happened?
7: Yeah, so um, what happened? Well, um... I need to give a shout out to a, a listener of this show. Uh, so Kent Longsford, a regular listener, regular feedback giver. He submitted this uh, article that was published in the Walrus in their June issue, also featured on Voices of the Walrus, um, to a competition that's out of Arizona State University's
0: Go Sun Devils. Uh,
7: Yes, out of those people. Um, Out of their National Center on Disability and Journalism, it's the only, according to their website, it's the only award on disability reporting. And there's a student category, and Kent submitted this article for the Gary Corcoran Student Prize in Excellence for Reporting on Disability, and it won first place. Uh, so uh, thank you, Kent. And yeah, so the award ceremony will be next week in Arizona. I know nothing about Arizona, Dave. Are you Are you so, flying down? Are
0: they going to fly you down? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, oh yeah, they're flying. They,
7: yeah, they're flying down.
0: They're flying you down to Tempe. Uh,
7: they're flying me down to Arizona. I mean, to well, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: in Tempe. The Arizona State's in Tempe. Uh, wow, which is which is a suburb of Phoenix. Megan Gilmore, oh, thank you. Thank getting you. getting some sunshine. Love it
7: yeah yeah so um, bring, bring that, sunscreen that's what happened. yeah so um yeah thank you like a lot of the a lot of the background for that article came from reports that were done on this show so this is very much ami's award as much as it is anyone else's oh no no um, no, no. it's yours it's so, it's
0: your heart you. it's your hard work megan you know you don't need to be humble you you put it you put in the work you did the writing congratulations that's a super super cool honor and uh i guess this is the last time i'm chatting with you before you fly down so safe travels good luck
7: Thank you. If you have anything I need to know about ASU's sports teams, Dave, anything at all, let me know.
0: Uh, Their slogan for their team, because they're called the Sun Devils, is fear the fork, which kind of speaks to my dietary habits. Megan, have a great day. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, you too. That's Megan Gilmore, a reporter for Canadian Affairs. And, of course, you can check out the work that Megan does for Canadian Affairs by visiting their website, canadianaffairs.news, canadianaffairs.news. I suppose the next time we bring on Megan, we should say award-winning journalist, Megan in 60 seconds, Elizabeth Moeller will have the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter, who I don't know if they're award winning or not, Karen Rebo, with your morning business minutes.
8: Canada's key stock index closed higher yesterday ahead of this morning's release by StatCan about Canada's third-quarter GDP numbers. Toronto's TSX index gained 119 points yesterday to close at 18,856. New York's Dow Jones average surged 511 points, and the Nasdaq rose 146. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index gained 161 points, and our dollar is trading overseas this morning a little higher at 7 cents U.S. StatsCan will release its August gross domestic product report this morning. American strikes against Detroit's Big Three are on hold now that tentative contract agreements have been reached with all three automakers and pending ratification votes by tens of thousands of union workers stateside. Stellantis says the U.S. auto workers' strike is expected to cost it around $795 million U.S. in profits. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo.
0: Thank you very much, Karen. Let's turn to Elizabeth Moller for the weather. Elizabeth, I think the general theme around the country, unsurprisingly, this time of year is it's getting a little cold. Let
1: it snow, let it snow. Okay, I won't sing on the air, but Halloween will be a treat for BC. But Don't be fooled, because a quick turnaround on Wednesday will see November ushered in by a wet system that will bring plenty of rain and mountain snow, and, of course, some freezing rain. But Halloween is going to be rather pleasant. It's what comes afterwards that is going to be a little frightening for many areas. BC's south coast is looking to get the biggest atmospheric treat Tuesday as a ridge settling over that west coast looks to send evening temperatures above seasonal for Halloween. By Wednesday, a low pressure system will bring lots of moisture to the southern part of British Columbia. And while this will not be deemed an atmospheric river, there will be areas that can pick up nearly 50 millimeters of rain and snowfall. But the temperatures will not be significantly cold. The rain's going to begin on Vancouver Island around noon hour on Wednesday. And these rainy and snowy conditions will fill into the interior locations of BC by the afternoon and evening. When temperatures are going to dip down to lower at night, Be mindful those roads are going to have some icy and slippery conditions and a pocket of warm air is going to be sitting above many valley locations and this is going to create a risk for some freezing rain so expect travel delays around those mountain passes due to changing and icy conditions in the valleys.
0: Elizabeth, thank you for this. Talk to you a little bit later in the show. Coming up next, it's Halloween. There's still plenty to do before you call it an evening of trick-or-treating. Toronto community reporter Mara Hutchinson tells you all about pumpkins after dark in Milton, Ontario. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Halloween is tonight. You still have time to make some plans and find some adventures. There's lots on offer in southern Ontario. Toronto community reporter Mara Hutchinson has a couple suggestions for last-minute activities.
9: Hello, Mara hi Dave how are you guys happy Halloween
0: happy Halloween <laughs> to you as well so you're not wearing a costume but you've got sort of a black and white uh, burg- hamburglar thing going on which is good
9: I know I wanted to just put on a little festive colors I'm not into <laughs> a Halloween but you know it's <laughs> yeah. different now when you have a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah well we'll get to that don't worry Mara we'll get to that <laughs> with, with the kid angle on this I'm, I'm again a reminder wearing my orange t-shirts and know, uh, a, dar- a dark suit jacket just so you festive, little festive over here. Uh, No costumes for me, although I am told this afternoon's edition of Kelly and Ramya is going to feature some costuming. So if you want to do costumes, that's what Kelly and Ramya are all about. Okay, Mara, let's jump into some action in the Milton area. Pumpkins After Dark is still happening. Why is this event worth checking out?
9: You know what it is, it's when you wanna, you wanna bring your family. I think it's always the kids here where everything is lit up so many different pumpkins lights now now that covid is pretty much over um you can actually roam around now roam around without being in your car and just explore run around take photos and enjoy like being outdoors at night Mm -hmm. so i think it's really really good for family wise and just the little kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, the pumpkin patch is a cr- pretty critical part of this whole operation, so definitely that stands to reason and that one works, but maybe Milton is a little off the beaten trail for some folks coming a little closer yes. to Toronto. Casa Loma is hosting wow. a Legends of Horror event. What's this experience all about?
9: So this one is obviously for more of an adult experience where you really wanna get freaked out, totally to the max of being scared. So I don't recommend this for children, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's, they turned their entire castle into that haunted feel. So, I mean, it's worth exploring. It's a little pricey, but I think if you are so into Halloween, you are going to roam around and just be scared and terrified and mm. it's, it's amazing
0: yeah yeah sort of combining the outdoors and the indoors and the indoors. eerie and the spooky all of it yeah it's uh definitely we have the best of worlds uh, I, Adults. I, don't, I don't have the constitution for it so uh pass me pass too. for me <laughs> but Maris, speaking of the kiddos you've got some how are you spending halloween this year
9: so later on um we are going to go to my brother's in Georgetown and the kids are all going to go trick or treating by like with us and take them along the neighborhood at my brother's.
0: Oh, uh, right so, on. Yeah. Uh so this begs the question as you start fishing around in the candy bag, what's going to catch your attention? What's the quality assurance that mom has to do when the candy bag comes home tonight?
9: Well, make sure there's obviously just to be prepared and we got to make sure that there's nothing that they can actually. Oh my gosh, it's so weird because now it's always so scary looking into the bags. Are they safe? Is there anything like needles? Or I don't even oh, know oh what they're oh. for.
0: <laughs> okay, Mara, that's that's not where I was going with that question. I was gonna go oh. with what's the what's what's the candy you're gonna steal from your kids when you get home, Mr. Pig, Mr. Okay. Big, Mr. <laughs> Pig okay you know
9: what it is Dave (laughs) there's so many things happening now that it's like you got to be safe you got to be this and I'm not even thinking about what the goodies are yeah I'm so sorry about that Uh, no
0: no it's uh, listen I think I think that is the uh, mind of a mother Uh, my mom uh, called me yesterday and said please be careful walking around tomorrow night as if I'm going to be going outside on Halloween night but it's the mind of a mom you must perpetually be worried
9: my parents are probably be the same. It's nighttime.
0: You know you have night blindness. <laughs> are you
9: and Mateo going to be okay? <laughs> yeah.
0: My mom, even though I'm 40 years old, she still worries. So it's okay. It's the mind of a mom. I'm going to give a couple of these uh, these these in, uh, points of contact here for these events. Info at pumpkinsafterdark.com. That's the email address. Info at pumpkinsafterdark.com. Or if you want to do the Casaloma Loma Legends of Horror event, it's casaloma.com. C-A-C-A-S-A-L-O-M-A dot C-A. A -A. A lot of A's there (laughs) as you're working your way through. Okay, let's... And let, let's end off the scary and get back into a little bit of the fun, some multi-sensory fun. The Illuminarium in Toronto is offering immersive experiences with animated displays accompanied by sound effects. You had a chance to take in the Illuminarium experience. How was it?
9: Oh, my gosh. Talk about feeling you're so tripped out because I was feeling like I was on the moon. I was exploring with my husband, roaming around, and the entire space looked like we were out in the galaxy. Wow. I was, I was as if like, I was on, like on the moon, like sitting down, roaming around asteroids, all the planets were just shown away. It was just lit up with stars, the planets. And it felt so trippy too, because I was like, you were like legit on the moon vibe and wow. the mu- music was going on and you can roam around and it was so good it, and just felt like you were really out in space so i really enjoyed it and you can't go wrong with the distillery district
0: so yeah. you have
9: everything there
0: <laughs> it sometimes takes a little bit of effort to get me that far south uh yeah. you know i'm living up here in north york so sometimes getting down to the oh. distillery district uh, isn't always on my list of uh my list of things to do that said this sounds like a pretty cool experience what are some of what are some of the needs to know in terms of accessibility
9: so there was pretty much no stairs all ramps so spacious so you have plenty of room to be on your wheelchair and even the washings were very accessible so I feel like the good time to actually go as well as around 11 to 1 so not it's not too crowded but overall it's there was no stairs all ramps good to go for everybody pretty much if you're if you have your white cane if you have your wheelchair and people are there actually there to help you out as well so mm. I'm yeah it's just you get the feel of being there on your own too and just roaming around freely so it was really good.
0: Illuminarium.com slash Toronto Illuminarium.com slash Toronto and I'm told I have to spell Illuminarium uh good luck with this I L L U-M-I-N-A-R- I-U-M. There you go. I went slow, and I think I nailed it. Illuminarium.com slash Toronto. Okay, so we've done a little bit of Halloween. We've done a little bit of space and the galaxies and the cosmos, but maybe just some music and cocktails is a little more the speed for somebody's standard Tuesday night. You had a chance to check out Mrs. Robinson's Cocktail Bar in Toronto. Why did you want to highlight it?
9: I want to highlight it because... I am all about listening to music. And if you want to catch up with your friends, it's best of both worlds. You have the cocktails, you have the food. I'm all about the food and Mm -hmm. entertainment. And nowadays, and it's also free, so you can't go wrong. And I'm all about that vibe of just listening to the DJ or the band. And I feel like as an adult now as well, and just kind of stepping away from motherhood, I like that whole scene of, just sitting down, listening to good music, and having a, a cocktail once <laughs> in a blue moon. Uh,
0: you had a conversation with the owner about accessibility at the yes. bar. Uh, what did you have, What did you have to say? What did they have to say?
9: I think I'm actually loving my role as a reporter because I email and contact all these cool places that I want to try out and actually let them know that I am here with AMI and I'm doing all these things and I want to figure out if your place is accessible for the disabled community. And the owner actually pointed out that he is making a lot of changes because a lot of his customers, as of lately, has been people with you know disabilities. And so he brought up the whole um, putting a little ramp to get in to the actual venue because there's just a little tiny step. And also with their menus, a lot of the things are now still with QR codes. So he kind of just had to point out where not a lot of people have access to smartphones or even technology nowadays. So he wants to actually create menus with bigger fonts for Mm. people like me. Mm -hmm. But I think the important thing is that the owner acknowledged that there are people like me and people like all of us who actually love these type of places and he needs to make some changes of how the whole venue is laid out. So that's why I felt, honestly, I felt so good communicating and letting them know that I am here with AMI. And I just want to let you know that I want to see your place and just see if it's, it's for, if it's for us as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what, and I, that, that's why honestly I felt good having that conversation with him because we also need these type of things and we love going to these type of places and it has to be accessible to every single, to everybody.
0: 574 College Street in downtown Toronto. Pretty uh, cool part of town, no doubt about that. 574 College Street. And if you want to learn more, Mrs. MrsRobinsonToronto.com. mrsrobinsontoronto.com and Mrs is spelled M-R-S. Mara, thank you for this. Happy Halloween. Have Happy fun Halloween. with the kids tonight.
9: I will. You guys have a great time. Bye,
10: Dave.
0: That's Mara Hutchinson, community reporter in Toronto, Ontario. In a moment, the Halloween conversation continues in Laura Bain's entertainment report. But first, tech trends, a little bit weird today. Mike Debusky is discussing how the online world perceives empty spaces. Empty parking lots, high school gymnasiums after the school days over, eerie hallways lit by fluorescent lights. Those are some examples of liminal spaces, says Samantha Culp, a writer in Los Angeles. This is
4: the normal space that is somehow now estranged um, because it's not doing its normal function and then there was something kind of quite eerie about that.
0: In recent years, the concept has spawned fan communities online.
4: Younger, like, internet communities have been really into collecting photos of and having huge you know, reddits and threads devo- devoted to
0: these images and in some cases she says collaborative universes of online content from youtube videos to short fiction
4: in the digital era we live in it is that much easier for anyone with with an internet connection to share their stories their fables their pieces of art to the public
0: with tech trends i'm mike Debusky, abc news Thank you very much, Mike. Laura Bain, Halloween might be today, but the spooky season is not over until The Simpsons puts on their Treehouse of Horror episode.
6: Yeah, that's right, Dave. So, the 34th Simpsons Halloween special, The Treehouse of Horrors, as the series is named, is going to air this Sunday, so a little bit after Halloween. And it's going to feature a celebrity cameo from Kylie Jenner. Uh, So joining a long list of celebrities who've been on The Simpsons in the past, Lady Gaga, Betty White, The Beatles, I mean, of course, John, but all the rest of them. So the plot a little bit has leaked, and it's apparently going to involve Kylie teaming up with Marge to go rescue Bart, who's been turned into a (laughs) non-fungible token. And that is, of course, because Kylie is part of a celebrity uh, crypto-illuminati And I guess this episode is making fun of her just a little bit. And she's been a good sport about that. Now, this isn't Kylie's not someone who's going to get me excited about watching. Have to be honest, not a huge fan of the whole Kardashian. you you you
0: You don't keep up with the Kardashians?
6: No, not if I can help it. But she is the fourth most followed person on Instagram. So I have a feeling that this might bring in a few viewers.
0: The Simpsons, to their credit, I mean, I'm stunned that it's still on the air. I, I think it lost its fastball about 20 years ago. But it, but they, they they still know how to do satire. And it's even clear, just the premise that you described there for this episode, it shows that they still have their finger on this every now and then maybe not to the same degree that say the creators of South Park do, but the Simpsons clearly they, they, they may have lost the fastball, but do you, to keep the baseball analogy going, they still know how to throw curveballs and sinkers and off speed stuff.
6: Yeah, that's my same feeling about it as well. So this is the 35th season of the Simpsons. Wow. And no, that's not a mistake. It's the 34th Halloween special 35th season. That's because there wasn't a Halloween special in the first season. Uh, is the simpsons still relevant i feel like i'm gonna put it on and i'm gonna be amused and i feel like they are still very relevant in terms of the jokes that they're delivering i like that they're very self-aware and i find that they sort of break that fourth wall more lately in later episodes of the simpsons which i like but i'm with you i'm not riveted i'm not anxious to get to the next episode uh maybe <laughs> as i was with classic episodes but then again i was 10 years old or so when i yes, was watching those, yes. So who's to say
0: and, and listen the treehouse of horrors concept is something they've done pretty much every year i believe as their season premiere so hey good for them for sticking with it because there's a couple really famous ones along the way they did a pa- they did a parody of the shining uh, way, way back in the day mm-hmm. called The Shinning yep. that was so, so funny. They, like, like they they have definitely figured out this model, and every single year, The Treehouse of Horrors ends up being their highest-rated episode because people still want to come back to see what they do.
6: And I gotta say, it's right on the threshold of what I can watch. I am not a scary movie fan. I'm such a frady cat, but I can watch the Simpsons Halloween episodes without getting without getting nightmares. I was fine last night. There were no uh, no, uh, and and so I went back. I watched just just for reference. I went back and I watched last season's Treehouse of Horrors ahead of our discussion today, and I I was fine. Uh, but The Simpsons has been re- renewed until 2025. So yeah. viewers look forward to it for a couple more years.
0: I would have thought for sure after the movie in 2007, that would have been uh, done and dusted, but they kept it going. Hey, Laura, we got to get out of here. I know you've got a super fun question about uh, credit names, but I don't have a good answer. Do you have a good answer? Because at the, at, the, at the end of the episode of The Treehouse of Horrors, everybody has sort of a goofy name, a goofy, scary name on the cre- end credit. I don't think I have a good answer, but do you have a good answer for your name?
6: Well, yeah, you know, these tend to involve a lot of rhyming and alliteration. So I'm going to have to go with Laura Brain Eater Bane.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that. I was going to say like Laura Payne, but that's maybe more well, of a, uh, yeah, the, my, my brain's not always working at the at uh, the top speed in in the morning. Laura, thank you Dave for this. Boogie,
6: Dave Boogeyman B- Brain?
0: Oh, Dave,
6: <laughs> Dave Boogeyman Brown, perhaps. Dave
0: the Boogeyman Brown Devil Brown? Dev, d- yeah. Devil Brown, a so Demon, Demon Brown, Dave the Demon Brown, Dave, Dave, and, Dave and, I don't know, we'll work on it. We'll workshop L- <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> this is why they're the Simpsons and we're Laura and Dave. Laura, have a great day. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> That's Laura Bain with the Entertainment Report. Of course, the Halloween theme is all over the show today, including my orange T-shirts. At Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc on Facebook. Have you already started eating your Halloween candy? Yes or no? That's the uh, daily poll question. Coming up after the break, a very short regional news update, and then Brock Richardson is going to talk about the World Series. Kind of a snoozer game last night, but it was it was close and there are some things that bear discussion. This is now with Dave Brown on ami TV. Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. I'm Dave Brown. It's Tuesday, October the 31st, 2023. Happy Halloween. During the break, I was thinking about uh, what Laura Bain asked me, my Simpsons end credit spooky name. What about Dave Brune, As in boo, but Broon. Still working on it. Still working on it. Coming up in the second hour of the show, how do you keep your house tidy and clean? Becky Zarr offers up some suggestions. I could use some help with uh, cleaning an organization. I found a bug in my place last night. Another one. That's two bugs in the last month. Very concerned. Very concerned. There's some kind of infestation in my house. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move. It's going to burn all my belongings. Just move. Which is fine. And it's another edition of the weekly news quiz. Brock Richardson, Alicia Yardley, and Elizabeth Moeller will compete for the crown. Before Brock Richardson stops by for a sports chat, here is the regional news update. Starting in British Columbia, a group of more than 30 British Columbia companies are calling for a coordinated response to retail theft. Vancouver police announced last week that a crackdown on shoplifting had ended in 258 arrests and the recovery of almost $50,000, $57,000 in stolen goods. London Drugs President Clint Manham says conditions on the ground are harming Canada's image.
5: So I bumped into a tourist from Britain, and its exact words were, oh my God, what is going on with Canada? I always thought it was this wonderfully safe place, and they left. I bumped into a group from Norway, and they couldn't believe what they saw. And they were shocked at Canada. This is happening in Canada, this beacon of social justice around the
0: world. And over to the prairies. Alberta's fall legislative session is underway. The first bill up for debate The Albert Act, the bill aims to give Albertans a say in whether their provincial taxes increase by requiring a referendum for any personal or corporate income tax changes. That doesn't sound like a nightmare at all, although Alberta Chamber of Commerce CEO Shauna Feth supports the bill.
1: A competitive tax environment has been a pillar of Alberta's strong economic performance and prosperity for decades. There isn't anything business wants more than certainty in an environment where they can compete and grow. Enacting Bill 1 will safeguard our tax competitiveness and together with the provincial fiscal framework, provide certainty going forward.
0: In other words, businesses like the idea of low taxes. Surprise, surprise. They also like low wages. Yeah, businesses. Predictable. In their opinions. Let's get to sports opinions. We'll chat about it with Brock Richardson. Starting in the world of baseball, the Texas Rangers rattled the Arizona Diamondbacks 3-1 last night to give them, the Rangers, a 2-1 lead in the World Series. Rangers shortstop Corey Seager launched a two-run homer in the third inning. Here's Corey Seager who swings and drives one deep to right. It sails way out of here. Corey Seager with a line drive home run. A good dozen rows into the seats in right. He's given Texas a 3-0 lead. Seager also made a slick defensive play in the eighth inning when Arizona was threatening to tie the game. Diamondbacks starting pitcher Brendan Fott feels Seager is the most important player in the Rangers lineup. He's a good hitter and um, probably the best hitter in the lineup for sure. And uh, I think getting him out is, is key to the, to the whole game, and, and uh, we paid the price for that tonight. The Rangers did lose a couple players to injury along the way. Starting pitcher Max Scherzer left the game with back soreness. Star outfielder Adolis Garcia also left the game. Game four is tonight in Arizona. The Rangers remain undefeated on the road in the playoffs. Brock Richardson, Corey Seager won the World Series MVP a couple years ago with the LA Dodgers. The Texas Rangers gave him a contract worth hundreds of millions of dollars and he might be on pace to win himself another World Series MVP if he keeps playing like he's playing.
5: Yes, indeed. I have to tell you this morning, I am a purple crayon wearing a purple shirt with a small uh, crayon hat on the top of my head. Nice. So my Halloween outfit for the morning. Uh, yeah, Cordy Seeger is uh, someone who's obviously really important to this team, and he's living up to his bill of his money that he... Uh, He's earning, and I think this is good. For me, I think there was a couple of turning points as well uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Christian Walker being thrown out at home plate in the early parts of the game last night by uh, Garcia, who had a really firing throw to home plate, and I have to wonder if that was maybe part of the injury because he kind of threw it on a line to home plate from center field, so that was a... That was a pretty big thing. And plus also the fact that uh, uh, Texas uh, lost their pitcher, as you mentioned, but also six innings with only one run given up uh, from their bullpen. That's pretty good. And you can't get much better than that.
0: Yeah. They've used a lot of pitchers here through a couple games, but those arms appear to be steady for now. Uh, Definitely a compelling game four set up here tonight. Never count out my diamond backs. They hang in these games, Brock.
5: Before we move off of uh, baseball, I just want to tell you that now with uh, t- uh, Texas winning eight games on the road, that matches, or no, that leads the league in baseball, obviously, but now the only team in professional sports that has more wins is the LA Kings with 10 on the road. So a little history for you there. You're
0: talking about in the playoffs, right?
5: Playoff road yes, wins? Yes, correct. Playoff road wins the la kings are the only other professional sports team that have more wins and it's 10 than the
0: texas rangers that must have been the 2014 la kings that had, had to go through three seven game series to get to the uh, stanley cup finals before winning uh, don't get me started on that hockey team they're one of my favorite <laughs> hockey teams ever uh speaking of hockey National Hockey League observations. A couple Canadian stories of note here. The Winnipeg Jets lost last night to the New York Rangers in overtime. But again, the end result may be not as notable as the fact that former captain Blake Wheeler made his return to Winnipeg.
5: Yes, and I want to make mention of the fact that he, he did that and he kept it all classy and saying that when he, when he was asked, you know, how do you feel about the you know the captaincy being ripped away from you, and he said, "I don't blame it on Rick Bonus. That's between me and management." And I'd like to leave it there, and that's how he did it. So wait, was that last, for- was that
0: last night he was saying that, or was that like last year when they took the captaincy away?
5: That was an interview they played with uh, Christine Simpson okay. ahead of this game that he made mention. So I'm not sure exactly when the interview was done, but he did make mention of it. And he and she asked him. She said, uh, "Did that have?" Anything to do with why you left, losing the captaincy? And he responded, well, it makes it easier. Wait, hold on, hold on. They bought him out. He didn't have a choice in whether or not he was leaving. (laughs) Uh, That's what I thought, too. But his remark in the interview was, well, it makes it easier to leave when I... They they make the decision for yeah, you. Yeah, it so. makes it
0: especially easy to leave when they buy you out, <laughs> and you literally can't re-sign with the team. Uh, Brock, one more NHL observation here: the Montreal Canadiens uh, off to a surprisingly good start. They went toe to toe with the Las Vegas Golden Knights last night. In fact, there was a point in the third period where it looked at like the Montreal Canadiens were going to be the first team to hand the Las Vegas Golden Knights a uh, regular a uh, regular season loss, their first loss of the season. Uh, it was it, it it was an impressive effort from a team that had very low expectations going into the season. uh, Who's also already dealing with injuries. My Montreal Canadians uh, off to a good start on the West coast, even though they lost the game in a shootout.
5: You know what? We talked about this early in the season and we talked about how we want to see Montreal play. That's an example of how you want to see Montreal play rising to the occasion. And yes, they didn't win the game. I would argue with you, you Dave, that uh, the goaltender Montembeau, uh, he Montreal's goaltender, uh he played really well and deserved a better fate than what he got. So credit to the Montreal Canadiens and man was I ever hoping they got the win last night but uh, they got a point out of it. I know it's not as good as getting the win on a team that's essentially undefeated and you know 19 out of 20 possible points for the the uh, Vegas Golden Knights but it's it's good and this is what you want to see if you're if you're Montreal just uh, sort of stepping up rising to the occasion.
0: Montreal's not counting the wins or losses this year. They're playing purely the aesthetic game of did you play okay? Were you miserable to watch? Brock, thank you for this. Have a great day. Happy Halloween. Uh, good luck being a purple crayon. Thank you. That is Brock Richardson at the AMI Sports Desk. Coming up next, how do you keep your home clean and organized? I just go with the laissez-faire approach. I hope the dust bunnies will eat the other dust bunnies and get rid of all the dust. Well, Becky Czar has some better suggestions. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Keeping your house or apartment clean and organized is a chore. You literally have to do it every day. It's super annoying. For folks like me, who are part of the Partially Sighted community, Things are especially important when it comes to cleaning an organization. For example, you might find an insect on one of your blinds and go through an utter freakout and start spraying Lysol everywhere. Or there's also the possibility of a cohabitator uh, hiding your belongings. That's super annoying, too. Becky Czar from Regina has some ideas on how to keep your house or apartment a little more organized and clean. Hello, Becky.
3: Good morning, Dave. Happy Halloween.
0: (laughs) Happy Halloween to you as well. I'm going to ask you a Halloween question before we say goodbye, but let's start with our vegetables before we get to our literal candy desserts. What are some of the challenges that you find yourself running into as someone who's part of the blind and low vision community when it comes to keeping the house organized and clean?
3: Yeah, you know what? I think initially my biggest issue was just not knowing how to do it because I transitioned from the sighted world into this um, unique experience of living as a person with low vision. And I was still trying to live as a sighted person and organize like that. So until I actually figured out I have to do it differently, um, I was causing myself all sorts of issues. Plus, I don't live by myself. I live with my delightful husband and our teenage son. So for those notoriously, of you who had a teen-
0: notoriously clean people—teenage boys,
3: right? Absolutely, <laughs> teenage boys are like right up there, right next to Mr. Clean himself, right? So um, it can be a bit challenging. <laughs>
0: so there's obviously a number of different uh things that go into keeping the house clean and organized different chores or activities my personal favorite is laundry I love doing laundry not crazy but the folding of the clothes after the laundry what's your approach to doing laundry independently
3: okay so I don't maybe have as big of a love for laundry as you do um the folding of it after I completely agree is terrible but um, so I tried a whole bunch of different variety of things initially. Yeah. I used to use, um, the liquid soap and that's what I did as a sighted person too, but to try to pour liquid soap, but some that is somewhat clear in color into that really microscopic clear, um, little scoop thing that they give you, um, with, I, I, I don't think I could actually see the measuring cup lines on it as a sighted person. So to try to discern how much I'm, I'm having in there and, uh, to not, Create a little pool on the floor, which I've done many times with liquid laundry soap. <laughs> oh, no. um, it has been a challenge. So, my, my tip on the liquid laundry soap if you are insisting on using that, I just cleared out an old pump shampoo bottle. And then I figured out with a side at PAL, it oh, my husband how many pumps it took to fill to that line. So I just count the pumps and I don't even put it in that little container anymore. I go straight into my laundry um, drawer and call it a project. So it's okay. Um, Then I pivoted to Tide Pods. I don't know if I can say a brand, but
0: I just did. So Um, I I prefer gain flings personally, but you know, teach their own.
3: Okay, so I've never tried fling, so maybe they're even better. But um, I found that in at home, if I put them in the little laundry drawer thingy again, there's a leftover plastic residue that collects in that little cup, which is great. Um, but if I t- tossed it into our older machine at the lake, right in with my clothes, because it doesn't have that little drawer thing, I was told that I was now walking around at times with plastic residue on my clothes that mm. I myself couldn't see. So mm. essentially I added a layer spontaneously over different parts of my clothes that is not the best if you yourself have no idea that it's actually on there. So um, I axe the Tide Pods and I pivoted to my new favorite thing, um, which are these little laundry sheets. So The best way I guess I can describe it to somebody who can't see is like think of like a cheese slice, like, you know, little slices you can get the craft ones or whatever. They're about that size. Um, So if you're having like a lot of like dirty, dirty laundry, like my husband used to pour concrete on a daily basis. And so that was dirty, dirty laundry. So he would get the full sheet on his clothes. But if you're just having stuff that's like, you know, normal wear, um, they have this perforated edge that goes right down the middle of it and it rips it apart. So and then you take those little these little sheet things, and you put it in your drawer, um, your little laundry drawer, and it dissolves magically and it cleans fantastically. And there's no measuring, there's no pools of laundry soap on your floor uh, that you may or may not step in or even know it's there. So those would be my biggest, that's my biggest hack when it comes to laundry itself. And you can buy them off the lovely giant store of Amazon. You can buy directly from the companies as well, but they come straight to my door, which is lovely too.
0: The the giant river retailers, it's sometimes referred to on the show, but also oftentimes referred to as Amazon <laughs> as well. Uh, yes, Becky, I got a follow-up question on laundry for you. And, and then we can get yep. some other stuff around the house. But have you at all endeavored into finding um, smart washer dryers or tactile buttons for your washer dryers or maybe a, a connected washer dryer to a phone app? Because I know that's kind of a navigational impediment for some folks in the community who are trying to find the right appliance for them. Do you have any sage advice on that front?
3: Um, honestly, I was really lucky in that when we moved into our new house, like seven years ago, the washer dryer was new, but it wasn't like brand spanking new Um, and so it didn't have the the led screen and touch screen and whatever on it it actually has actual buttons so i'm going to cry probably on the day that my my machine fizzles out on me because it's like i know it's like one click to the right of this like giant spinny knob and then i hit this little button four times and it goes automatically somehow to the pre-programmed settings that that my husband put in there and (laughs) it's delightful so i'm so sorry i don't have any tips and advice on that I'm just crossing my fingers and holding out that my last outlast me essentially.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you find the appliance you like, you cling to it dearly as long as you can. Okay, so I mentioned to you I like doing laundry. I really enjoy that task. I do not like vacuuming. How do you handle vacuuming?
3: Okay, so I delegate vacuuming. Her name is Susan, and uh, that's the name that we've given to our electronic robot vacuum. I don't know why we picked the name. I just like the name, and it's easy to remember. And then I tell the lady A to turn Susan on, and she's like, okay, turning Susan on. And Susan goes and rips around my house and vacuums so lightly for me. Now, she's not super thorough when it gets to the corners and such, and so I will have to bring out our central vac or our Dyson or something to suck up in the corners because my floor to give you a visual is like it's um the vinyl planking but it's like almost white it's so light gray yeah, and then yeah. i have this lovely black guy dog that leaves remnants everywhere she goes so my husband's (laughs) gift to me because he knew i was going to you know lose my mind um about it is when i got lulu he gave me my Roomba vacuum and i was just like the happiest person ever so every morning susan vacuums my house for me and uh it's really great occasionally she'll suck up a sock that you know once again my husband or my son has forgotten to put into the laundry um and it causes a little bit of chaos but other than that it resolves my vacuuming scenario
0: Dogs are notoriously not super fond of vacuums. How does Lulu feel about Susan?
3: I'm pretty sure that Lulu thinks that Susan's going to suck her up on a daily basis. Oh, no. um, and so she runs away from her and thinks she's totally shifty. I mean, if, if Lulu could verbalize, I'm pretty sure that's how she would describe um, this vacuum to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mom, stop it with the vacuum. Just let me shed. Yeah. Let me mark up this <laughs> living room as I so please. Okay, Becky, that's cleaning. Let's shift over to organization. Uh, small hey. items are probably one of the ones that are hardest to keep track of um, from from like the, the female perspective, hair clips. Clen- elastics, makeup, how are you managing to keep those things organized in a logical way?
3: Yeah, so I've tried a million and one different options and scenarios over the last decade. And the best I've come up with is, um, there's a photo there. It's my drawer in my bathroom. And I've organized it according to like these little bins. And yeah, some of them are just cheapo ones, like they're like small Tupperware containers. Other ones I've been recycled. They're like Hilbert and Burke circle earring um, containers that you get when you buy the earrings. Um, I like the different... Um, shapes as well, because if tactilely, it really helps out. Um, But I have them rammed in there so tight that they don't actually shift and slide around in the drawer when you open it. That was my biggest issue is that I was putting stuff in containers, but they were like toppling over or flying around. Um, But I can literally reach in and I can find anything. I can find a, you know, a bobby pin. I can find a hair clip. I can find lip gloss. I can find toothpaste. Like it's all in this little spot, which seems a little OCD over the top. But to me, it's a huge huge time saver. And I would totally recommend it to anyone. So find those containers, um, recycle, go around your house and see what you can adapt. And it will make your life so much easier.
0: Yeah, somebody uh, in my life recently emptied my dishwasher and put things not where I would expect them to be. And I'm <laughs> a little cranky about it, a little cranky about it. I was totally. like, where, where are my spoons? Where, where'd you put my spoons? Yeah, right? Um, yeah, so I, I, some some folks might accuse us in the uh, blind and low vision community of saying, oh, they're being a little OCD about it. No, no, no. <laughs> we just want to know no. where our stuff is. <laughs> yes, I want to
3: function, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Becky, speaking of the kitchen, maybe it's not spoons, but how do you manage your shelves in terms of keeping uh, things where you, want them.
3: Yes, so the keyword here is bins, Bins, bins and more bins. bins. Yeah. Yes. Bins of all shapes and sizes. Um, When I was had more eyesight, it was very color coordinated as well. I remember when we moved into this house, I wanted to be organized to the max right from the get-go. Um, And I went over to the dollar store and I came back. I was all by myself, super independent with my lovely white cane. And I came in the house and my husband, I'm sure if the look on his face would have been sheer horror and confusion because he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, had hordes of bins, like big bags full of bins. I'm like, I'm doing it. So I have like, Anything from my son's mittens in a bin, um, his toques in a different bin, all the way to the kitchen where I have like um, you know fresh fruit sitting instead of it just sitting out because if it gets shifted around, I might not even remember that it's right, there. But right. if it's all in the bin; it's in the bin, and I know that it's there, and it's fabulous. Um, organizing because I love to bake. Um, I went and actually splurged a little bit more on these ones. They're from Costco, I think, and they're like the vertical food storage bins. And I have like all my f- different flowers and sugars in there. And some of them are different shapes as well. Um, So I can go by tactile, um, but everything gets put back in the exact same spot. Otherwise, honestly, I'm completely messed up. But um, with my bins, I feel like I can do pretty much anything. And that would be another key recommendation for organization and making your life easy um, when you're living somebody else so everybody can get along really well. Um, And a huge time saver is bins.
0: Peace in the kingdom. Peace in the kingdom through and through. Totally. Tranquility. So, so Becky, you're you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a business owner, you're also a a community leader. You probably have a lot of stuff on the go. What's your strategy for things like appointments, messages, etc.? Like the things that go along with wearing the number of hats that you wear.
3: My iPhone. If yeah. I, someone stole yeah. my iPhone, I would be completely messed up. Um, it's my life. It has everything from every appointment, phone numbers, passwords. Um, everything is on there. It's my life. And to me, I feel really confident in having it and keeping myself on track because um, prior to sight loss, I was a little bit type A. And after it, I'm most definitely type A. So I need to be organized. And, um, yeah, so I can just live my life normally.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what I would do without, the, without my phone at this point. If I lost my personal phone, there, there'd be <laughs> there'd be deep, deep crisis. Like, deep, deep crisis deep. Uh, across across the board. Okay, Becky, you've been super generous with your time. I know you're busy. I've got one last question for you. It is indeed Halloween. Maybe your teenage son's a little old for the trick-or-treating, but I imagine the czar household is handing out some candy. Have you already busted into the candy supply? This is the Daily Poll today at Accept- Accessible Media on Twitter at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Have you already started eating some of your Halloween candy?
3: Okay. So, if I'm being completely truthful and honest, this year is the very first year that I have not. So, I'm glad that we're putting it on record. Um, and it's <laughs> simply because I haven't actually gone out and bought it early and I haven't bought what I like. I like, I'm a chocolate girl. Um, mm. Any type of chocolate is my game. And this year we bought like candy and I'm not a super big candy gal. So we have like ring pops and, um, what's it called? Lickamade, uh, fun dip and um, these, I don't know, super sour something or others. My son got and packs of bubble gum and they're not really my game. So yeah. I'm super proud. And Dave, I'm glad we're sharing it with everyone. I have not, but <laughs> I, I'm not too shameful. I will probably go buy some after like case of like chocolate bars. And yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We'll get the coffee crisp on sale tomorrow, the discount coffee crisp. And that'll be a good day Absolutely. for everybody involved. Becky, thank you for your time on this one. It's always appreciated. Have a wonderful day. Happy Halloween, To you and the family. Talk to you in a couple weeks.
3: You bet. Take care, Dave.
0: That's Becky Czar talking to you from Regina, Saskatchewan. Not in Regina, but in the greater Toronto area. AMI has a really cool opportunity for you to be part of a live studio audience. Kelly and Ramya are taping a special episode on Monday, November the 27th. They're looking for 50 people to be part of that audience. So, if you live in the GTA, the greater Toronto area, or will be in Toronto on Monday, November the 27th, you should send an email to info at ami.ca. Space is limited because everyone in attendance is going to receive a Kelly and Rumia gift bag. And your name, will be entered into a draw to win one of two Apple gift cards that are valued at $500 each. If you don't win the Big Apple, it's all good. There might still be an Apple fritter for you because there's going to be five $50 Tim Hortons gift cards. The only way you can win the prizes is by being part of the live studio audience on November the 27th. So to confirm your participation, please info. Please info. Dave, English. I've eaten too much candy this morning already. There, there's a big bowl out there in the control room. Inf, email info at ami.ca. That's info at ami.ca. Be there or be square. Coming up after the break, working remotely, working in person, hybrid This remains a debate in late 2023. Elizabeth Moeller wants to get the round table's thoughts on what a company can do to incentivize you to come back to the office. And the answer is a big bowl of candy. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. In 2023, people are still arguing about returning to the office, and a news story about that caught your attention, Elizabeth Moeller.
1: It certainly did. So tech workers at the New York Times went on a half-day walkout yesterday, which was Monday, to protest the company's return to work policy. So I want to talk today about incentives beyond a big bowl of candy what can corporations and companies do to incentivize employees to return to the office to return to work and i want to start off by asking ramia this morning
10: uh there's a lot of stuff that employers can do i think in
0: <laughs> by, the way, by, way, by, by the way by the way by the way ramia and i show up to work in the office every day so like our incentive yeah. is our paycheck
10: uh, I Beyond
1: know. your paycheck. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead, Ramya
10: Beyond all paycheck. Well, clearly, we're living in a time where this is a very transparent conversation now, right? Like we're having lots more discussions on Kelly and ramia We talk to a, a representative from Robert Half literally every month um, to talk about what employers can do, what they are doing, where there's still a bit of resistance. But I think the the key is that it's more talked about now than before covid 19 mm-hmm. because of hybrid scenarios um because different sectors are are having like putting the focus on productivity rather than just like hourly uh checks or you know monitoring things like that but anyways one of the biggest things that's always just like top on my list is flexibility um Still trying to figure out, I guess, among different uh, industries and sectors of the workplace, what that looks like, but especially for corporate, especially for like the nine to five and the office environment, what we know it as, um, we can, my uh, humble opinion, uh, afford much more flexibility than we're used to. And that comes with... Times like you know how many hours of the day, also days of the week, and what that looks like for people in office, at home, etc. So I think the flexibility is just a, a huge um, and broad conversation.
0: Yeah, I would suggest that when you're talking about incentives, a lot of the behaviors and culture of office got sort of strained and sucked away during the pandemic. And even as people have been returning to the office, a lot of that has not necessarily returned. So I would say, like, what are the cleaning standards? Are you hiring cleaning people to mop the floors and do vacuuming and do sort of that maintenance stuff to make the office a comfortable, clean, nice place to work? I think that it's a little unfair to ask employees to come back, but not give them that pleasant experience based on standards of what you expect around a professional office. So it's not fair to ask people to be professional and then not engage in professionalism yourself as an organization. That's my thought. Nazreen, what's an incentive to get you to come back in besides stealing my desk? That's a
4: fair point, Dave. You will not let this go. I will never let it go. One time I came to the office... I was having and one of the I, worst
0: I was having one of the worst days of my life and I come in after the show and Nazarene had stolen my desk
4: no. I need you to put something Dave Brown on top of your desk I didn't know where my Dave stink I my Dave stink, stink
0: is how I marked the territory
4: you know I did notice that I did notice that to be fair. no I'm joking <laughs> um I think uh, the idea of like your your point was so fair I uh, if you want professionalism you're You expect it, that's how it should be. Um, Another thing that I really support is hybrid work. And of course, it depends on your job. It depends on what you do. So that's always something to consider. But uh, for example, that my mom, her work, they do shift work. So like a couple of days a week, this group goes into the office, this group stays home and vice versa. So it's not all at once over a hundred people in cubicles or or just in office space and they're all together all at once. Um, five days a week, so it's. I like the idea of hybrid work. You know, it's it's not overwhelming. It's not too intensifying all at once. Um, But I'm surprised that, like, you know, it's 2023. We're in October, and and people are still complaining about returning back to work. And I and I understand some of the complaints. You oh, know, I get it. I, I, totally get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, I totally get it but so so it, it is understandable it is a bit frustrating for some people but um, I always supported a hybrid
0: work. Yeah, I'm, I totally get it. By the way, w- when I set that up a little bit sarcastically or facetiously, it's probably just coming from my own meandering life experience, where I've essentially the entire pandemic minus the first six weeks uh, worked out of the office. So you know, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I just I, I bring my own meandering life experience to my perspective. Elizabeth, you got to be quick here, but what's an incentive Absolutely. that would get you to come to the office?
1: I think there needs to be other people. I went to uh, an office Boy, environment I like that one. in the last couple of years and was the only one, and it was quite scary. And so I think coordinating so that other members of your team are there, so there's actually a point to being in person and making sure that people feel like when they're there that there's an actual purpose to being there in person.
0: Yeah, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna make people come back, you better make everybody come back, not That's just right. not just the select few, Elizabeth. Thank you for this. Don't go too far, because you're going to be part of the news quiz in a couple well, of minutes. I not going anywhere. Nizreen, you have a nice day. Rumia, before I say goodbye to you, give me the quick amuse-bouche for today's edition of Kelly and Rumia at 2 p.m.
10: Oh, because you said a moose bush, I'll say that we are talking about oral health and cavities. Oh, man. Oh, so timely oh, gosh. with Halloween, huh? <laughs> <laughs> On our wellness check-in with as Long. You wanted it.
0: <laughs> uh, Ramya, I hear you're going to be in costume today. I, a little birdie yes. named Don Dickinson told me yesterday as she oh. schlepped in literally bags and bags of costume stuff. <laughs>
10: I asked her if I could shop in her closet and she came
0: through. <laughs> she she just brought the closet with her. <laughs> she, okay, I look forward to 2 p.m. <laughs> Eastern because I know you're going to describe the costume that you'll be wearing and so will Kelly. You guys are a little more festive than the old DB over here with his Aww. orange t-shirt under his uh, dark suit jacket. Rumya, have a lovely day.
10: Thank you, you too.
0: That's and Emwuthan, the co-host of Kelly and Ramya, coming your way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI. Coming up next... Whoa. It's the Weekly News Quiz. Barack Richardson, Alicia Yardley, and Elizabeth Moeller will compete for this week's title. There used to be an annual title, but uh, there's been musical chairs. So now winning every week is the goal. No long games, just short games. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. Only about 10 minutes left on the broadcast clock here. That's a little scary on this Halloween edition of the show. Let's jump right into it. It's the weekly news quiz. Oh, I'm going to be all business and saying hello to the contestants. First, Brock Richardson, hello hello and also saying hello to elizabeth moeller once again hello elizabeth
1: hello Dave brown
0: and welcoming back from vacation alicia yardley from ami's human resources department hello alicia Hello, happy to be here. Uh, Great to have you aboard. Let's get through the rules real quick here. Three rounds of questions with three questions per round. Each question comes with three multiple choice options. If you answer the question without hearing the options, you get two. If you answer the options, answer with the options and get it right, you get one. If you get it wrong, you get nothing. Nothing. And we move along until the point is awarded. The order of contestants was drawn by producer Paul Daniel, who's back in the news quiz chair this seat. The order will be Alicia, Brock, and Elizabeth. So round number one is all about international news. Alicia, the strongest storm to ever hit Mexico's Pacific coast escalated from a Category 1 to Category 5 hurricane in a matter of hours last week. What was the name of the hurricane?
6: Oh, my God. And it's funny. I was literally just there, and I missed it. Um, Can I get the
0: options, please? Is it Otis, Osborne, or Oscar? Otis. That is correct. One point for Alicia Yardley. Acapulco took a direct hit from what has been described as a catastrophic hurricane. Question number two of round number one, heading over to Brock. Brock, last week, an off-duty pilot from a U.S. airline is alleged to have shut down engines on an airplane mid-flight. What airline was this pilot flying for at the time? I'll take the options, please. Is it Southwest, Alaska, or JetBlue? JetBlue. That is incorrect. Elizabeth, The chance for a steal. Southwest Southwest. or Alaska? Southwest. That is incorrect. Alicia picks up the uh, freebie point. The pilot faces 83 potential counts of attempted murder. Looking over to question number three of round number one, Alicia, with the two zero zero lead. But, Elizabeth, this question's headed over to you. Okay. What country's female population went on a one-day strike last week for equal population and end to gender-based violence? Iceland. That is correct. Two points for Alicia. Uh, uh, not Alicia, for Elizabeth. Last week's walkout was billed as the biggest since Iceland's first such event in October of 1974. So after one round, Alicia's got two, Elizabeth's got two. Brock is still sitting on the goose egg. But good news for Brock, the sports reporter, all the questions are going to be related to sports in the second round. So, Brock, you get the first crack at this. Michigan State University, go Spartans, is apologizing after displaying a historical figure on the big screen during a football game. Who was the figure? I'll take the options. Was it Stalin, Mussolini, or Hitler? Mussolini. That is incorrect. Elizabeth, the chance for a steal, Stalin or Hitler? I'm gonna go A. That is incorrect. Another default point for Alicia, it was Hitler. Uh, This was all part of a halftime quiz, and it was part of a third-party video from a YouTube page called The Quiz Channel. So, uh, yeah, bad, yeah bad, bad, bad couple weeks here for Michigan State University. Their uh, coach uh, got fired for sexually harassing a sexual harassment consultant. So re- re- really, really well done there by uh, Mel Tucker. Uh, question number two of round number two, before I get myself in trouble with our own human resources department, goes to <laughs> Elizabeth. The NBA season tipped off last week. The United States has the most players in the league. What country has the second most players in the league? Options,
1: please.
0: Is it Serbia, France, or Canada?
1: I'm going to say option B.
0: That is incorrect. Alicia, a chance for another steal. Is it uh, it Serbia or Canada? Uh, Serbia. That is incorrect. Brock picks up the default point. It's the 10th straight year that Canada is the second most represented country in the NBA. 27 Canadians made it onto NBA rosters. So heading over to question number three of round number two, this one going to Alicia. NHL player Joe Thornton, Jumbo Joe, announced his retirement from the game after 24 years in the league. Which team drafted Joe Thornton?
6: Good question. Can I have the options, please?
0: Is it the Toronto Maple Leafs, the San Jose Sharks, or the Boston Bruins?
6: I'm going to say
10: the Bruins.
0: That is correct. Uh, Thornton spent the majority of his career with the Sharks, 15 years, but he was drafted by the Bruins first overall. The 44-year-old had not played since the 2021-2022 season, and that's why I was kind of stunned that he only retired this year. What did you do last year, Jumbo Joe? Grow a sweet beard? Okay, after two rounds, do a score check here. I don't know if we can throw that up on the screen, but we've got Alicia with four. We have Alicia. Elizabeth with two and Brock with one. So anybody's game going in to round three and Elizabeth getting the first crack at oh. the questions of the third round. The daughter of Kurt Cobain of Nirvana fame and Courtney Love of Whole fame, her name is Frances Bean, married the son of a sports celebrity. Who is the sports celebrity son that Frances Bean married? Or who is who is the sports celebrity who uh, who uh, birthed the son or, or produced the son, so to speak?
1: Um, options, please.
0: Uh, is it <laughs> is it Tony Hawk, Steve Garvey, or David Beckham? Option C. That is incorrect, Alicia. Is it Tony Hawk or Steve Garvey? Tony Hawk. That is correct. One more point for Alicia. The wedding of Cobain and Riley Hawk was officiated by REM frontman Michael Stipe. So, I mean, what? This, I mean like, this is just some celebrity on top of celebrity over here. That's uh, some rock and roll through and through. Okay, Alicia, you've got an opportunity to put this whole thing away with question number two of round number three. The U.S. House of Representatives finally has a House speaker. Who was selected as Speaker of the House of Representatives last week?
9: Michael Johnson.
0: That is correct. I'll give that to you. It's Mike Johnson, but I'm gonna gi- I'm gonna give you. I'm sure I'm sure his mother still refers to him as Michael. That's two more <laughs> points for Alicia. Uh, Representative Johnson of Louisiana is uh, regarded as uh, quite conservative. He was first elected to Congress in 2016. Brock, at this point, we're just playing for fun. Alicia has this thing on lock, but let's see if you can uh, pass Elizabeth or tie Elizabeth with question number three of round number three. The city of Vancouver has a litter problem there's one item in particular that's been littered the most what is it i'll take the options. is it cigarette butts is it disposable coffee cups or is it candy wrappers disposable coffee cups that is incorrect elizabeth the chance for a steal cigarette butts or candy wrappers
1: i'm going to say it is candy wrappers
0: Oh, that is incorrect. And another, another oh. default point. Another default points for Alicia Yardley. Uh, despite the threat of up to ten thousand dollars in fines, cigarette butts are still the number one most littered item in Vancouver. So, with that, the winner is. Alicia Yardley, happy Halloween, welcome back from vacation, and a big news quiz win for you.
10: Thank you very
6: much. I'm um, thrilled, and I'm going to have bragging rights for the next week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth, uh, uh, Alicia, we have two minutes left on the clock here. I do want to ask you the daily poll question, and I'm going to ask it to Brock as well. At Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Alicia, have you already started eating your Halloween candy?
6: Uh, Yes, without a doubt. Um, I, uh, I gained weight on vacation, so I'm not supposed to be, but you know what? You, you only live once is yeah. my motto.
0: Yeah. YOLO, <laughs> YOLO for sure. And Hey, you know, you're getting a little weight on vacation. That's going to happen. Uh, what's the candy of choice? What's tempting you, Alicia?
7: I really like Sour Patch
0: Kids. Mm, That's a good one right there for sure. Of the candy crew, Sour Patch is a good one. Brock Richardson, same question to you. Have you already gotten into the Halloween candy a little bit around the Richardson household? No, because I wait for it to go on sale. See, that's that's <laughs> my, that's my guy right there a <laughs> uh, little fun fact for y'all uh, the halloween candy already on sale at my grocery store which i i was commenting earlier in the show real capitalism fail on their part they don't understand scarcity and urgency you should be jacking up the price on october the 31st not lowering the price on october the 31st uh brock what's the candy that's going to tempt you when you see it on sale tomorrow Oh, Henry and Kit Kats. I cannot pick oh, between either. Oh, yeah, Henry. Oh Henry's a good one through and through. Let your thoughts be known. at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Have you already busted into your Halloween candy? And don't forget to share your favorite candy as well. Feedback at ami.ca is the email address. 1-866-509-4545 is the phone number. That's all the time there is for today. Just remember to be mindful of the goblins and ghouls running around around tonight they're worried about candy not your car until tomorrow i'm dave brown reminding you to play safe play fair but don't forget to have some fun Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI TV.
10: Hi, I'm Ramiya Amithan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.